I was just thinking about the, um, I think in pictures, and I was just thinking about this whole essence of, of wine and what is the wine before it becomes wine. It's a bunch of grapes. You know, Jesus doesn't just leave us as a bunch of grapes. A bunch of grapes is nice. It's quite, you know, it looks nice to the eye. It actually even tastes good. But it's not wine. There's a process that happens to create the new wine. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that at the moment because I'm just getting distracted by the analogy in my mind. Um, And the other thing I'd just like to share is that, um, Kirk, where are you? He's not here quite yet. He was here, not here. Um, I had this dream about this mic. I'm wearing this this mic today, and it's actually, I feel quite free. It's quite good. I I like being hands-free. And and so um, I'm I'm free, but I had this dream last night because I thought, I need to put this mic on this morning, that um, Kirk and I were in a helicopter ride, in an army helicopter after the service, and he, for some reason, maybe he's you know planning something. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I quite like helicopters, actually. And I was needing to jump out of it, which, you know, I've jumped out of planes, so helicopters not much difference, is it? But anyway, um, and he said, Danny, you can't. You're still live. Take off your microphone. Take it off. I'm like, oh, oh, here you go. I've come out of the rock with it. It's still on. So just remind me, Norm, that, you know, just take it off afterwards. <sighs> Whew, breathe. Okay, okay, here we go. Now, to start this morning, Joe, I've just seen your face, lovely. Um, I just wanted to start by thanking you. Um, we weren't physically here last, last week because Greg was speaking at Northern Hills. But, um, you know, if you haven't had a chance to listen to Joe's message, whew, what a powerful message of, of, of truth. But the honesty in the approach that you brought it with was just really precious to my heart. And I just want to say thank you because, you know, it's given me such confidence. I don't speak very often, but what it's done for me personally is given me confidence to go, you know what, I belong to this family too. I belong. And when I belong to this family, it gives us freedom to step into, you know. Um, And yeah, there might be hesitancy and then there might be feelings of nervousness, but actually it gives us a, yeah, that's right, I belong. I'm in the family of God. I'm in this family. And I was thinking about the family and the royal family, Right, okay, it's pretty on top at the minute, the royal wedding last night, I didn't actually stay up and watch the whole thing, but you know, the sense of belonging that Harry has, he has always been part of the royal family, right, but Meghan Markle, Sparkle, Markle, Markle, Markle? she did Sparkle, didn't she, but Meghan Markle, she um, doesn't really know about the culture of the family yet, she's going to be learning it, but for us... We belong to this family, and it's up to each one of us to actually learn the culture of the king of this family. So I just wanted to bring that to us, and you know, that fills me with hope and encouragement and confidence knowing who I am in him, then we can step forward into what he has for us. So, cool. We are all diverse, we are all unique, but we are of one. And that's beautiful. So this morning, um, you may have felt, or you may feel, as I get started, that you have heard this message a lot. And to be honest, you probably have, because we've been talking about it quite a bit. But what the Lord has been speaking to me about, and what He has been doing in me and continuing to do, is really, really on top. So I don't want you to write off, 
oh yeah, we've heard that before. I want you to just hear it from an essence of that's what he's doing in you, Danielle. Whew, I think he might need to do that in me. So take it on board like that. Right, so who watches my kitchen rules? Anyone? <laughs> in, in our family, we watch it. We really like to watch it together as, as a family. Um, and the, the girls and I have taken a step further. Actually, it's not really the girls. It's more Lily and I. We've taken it a step further. And we actually reenact parts of my kitchen rules. And um, she is so great. She, in fact, it actually happened yesterday. I have to say thank you to Gail. Is she in the house? Gail gave me this amazing recipe. She made it for one of our girls for their birthdays um, at discipleship this week, and I just had to get the recipe. So we made it yesterday, and Lily's like, let's do my kitchen rolls. Mum, let's do it. So we were rushing in the supermarket. We needed to get the buttermilk. Come on, we're on a timer. Come on, sister. Now, now what sisters are we going to be? I know, Mum. You can be Jess with the Botox lips. <laughs> and I will be Emma, or I can, never, I can never remember the names, right? And so I'm like, oh, do I have to stick up my lips like this whole time? <laughs> she said, well, Jess quite likes to drink wine, so you drink wine. Um, <laughs> well, we're making the chocolate cake. Um, but I won't have wine, Mum. I'll have lemonade. I, I, that's a good idea, only nine. So, yep, that's yep, good, good. Okay. So we poured our glass and we clinked together. And we got we got moving. Um, Greg and Maddie, on the other hand, watched reruns of what was it? Oh, UK's, UK's Got Talent. <laughs> Us, on the other hand, were the busy chef sisters. So I don't know if you want my, my, my kitchen rules, but the reality is that there are chefs and there, there are the people that are the guests. So the guests have to judge what it's going to be like. So we made this cake and da-da-da. But actually, we forgot to ask you for a score. What was the score? It was 11. There we go, Gail. Thank you. Woo! It was amazing chocolate cake. So um, anyway, in all of this, so you know, we do this from time to time, but we've learned this process. We've learned this technique. And that is called rendering off the fat. So it's a culinary term for melting and clarifying hard animal fat for cooking purposes. Rendering can be done by two methods, dry heat or wet heat. In both methods, the fat is slowly cooked until it melts and is then strained of impurities from the cooking process. Hmm, I thought, okay, yeah, rendering off the fat. That's, that sounds like a good idea. I've never actually done it myself. I know probably some other really amazing cooks out there have done it, but I just thought in a spiritual sense, that's exactly what he wants to do to us, isn't it? He wants to cut the flesh, the you, off you and replace it with himself. And as we allow it, he melts us down, softening our edges as the impurities come to the surface, he strains them off. It's the rendering of our heart. And that's what I want to talk to us about today. The rendering of my heart. We've probably all heard about surrender. Surrendering. We've, we've talked about it a lot. Um, and it means to yield something to the possession or power of another. To deliver up possession of on demand or under duress. We know it's an all position. 
And if you're a parent of an under five-year-old, or you've worked with kids like I do, you will know this song very, very well from the beloved Frozen movie. Who would like to join in with me? <laughs> let it go, let it go, can't hold me back anymore. Now, being a very visual person, I had this image of me holding the helium balloons as I said, let it go, woo, let it go, woo. But then I thought, the ceiling is really, really high, and Kirk on a Monday morning would probably have to get them all down, and it's a health and safety issue. So, yeah, just, just think about it in your mind, you know, letting it go. Okay. I've got a friend that sings that song to me all the time, and it's, you know, it, it's true. It is actually true. There's also that other phrase that says, just let go and let God. You know, and you can almost say it quite pithy, let go and let God, it's so easy, so easy. <laughs> the reality is it, that is actually true. The words of that are actually true, aren't they? But before we can get to that point of surrendering it all, there's a process that takes place, and that is of rendering the heart which is true uh, true repentance through the spirit of pride being broken into pieces by pride being smashed. Yeah, and that brings humility, the true spirit humility. Sorry. And this is why it is so important for us to be vulnerable before God and before others as well. He values our vulnerability and our transparency. Because when we go out on a limb, he is actually there with us. And that fills us with confidence. Being out on the limb is a scary place to be. Being out on the edge of a tree and the limb is in the wind is a little scary. But he's right there with us. Now, for me, I'm just going to share a wee example. Um, uh, As I've been working through, and I was going to say recently, but actually it's a lifetime, to be honest, of internal adjustments, I like to call them. (laughs) Uh, The reality is that um, I struggle a little bit. Greg would say a lot, but a little <laughs> a little bit um, with jealousy and insecurity. Uh, I allow my feelings to get the better of me, a lot. I allow my feelings to turn into thoughts, which turn into feelings, which turn into anger, which turns into, I saw you do that, looking for it. Oh, yeah, I know what you're thinking. Oh, yeah. Mm. I've already thought it in my heart. I've already believed it in my head. It's already a truth. And then I start believing the lie. And the lie takes off and it's going into la-la land. And I feel a sense of lack, a real sense of mistrust and anger, a sense of worthlessness. It actually makes no logical sense in the natural, but it's real in my head and in my heart. Um, The lack tells me I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not articulate enough, 
are not intelligent enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I can't pray like that person. I can't minister like that person. And you know what? It just leaves me feeling ah, raw, yuck. The jealousy and insecurities appear and I get exposed for what's really in my heart. It's raw and, and just plain ugly, to be honest. Um, and I feel so ashamed because the flesh rises within me. Anger flares and accusation glares. But just as intense as the anger, an overwhelming sense of helplessness comes upon me and fills me with remorse and regret. And the why can't I get past this? I don't want to be this person. Has anyone else experienced this or is this just me? It's the scripture from Romans that Paul shared the other night. Romans 7.15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. You know, it doesn't make sense in my logical mind. For I am practicing what I would like, sorry, for I'm not practicing what I would like to do but I'm doing the very thing I hate. Listen to the strongness of those words. I'm doing the very thing I hate. I hate this about me. Oh, take it away, Lord. And in that moment and in this process, the Lord's sort of showing me that it's not just anger and jealousy, but the fear and anxiousness is also a form of pride. It's a form of pride because I'm trusting in myself and not surrendering it to the Lord. I'm actually calling God a liar. This hit me the other day. I'm calling you a liar because I'm not trusting in you. I'm trusting again in my own thoughts, my own way of thinking. I'm, I'm believing the lie, for goodness sake. What is that all about? It's serious stuff, and it's very confronting. This is what he's telling me and sharing with us all, is that don't allow your feelings to dictate your words. Probably starts really with your thoughts, doesn't it? Your words, your actions, your whole life. You see, we can sing about it with great gusto. And I have been there, you know, I surrender all but not that part. I surrender all but not my heart. All to you I freely offer. Really? I surrender all, but really, not at all. Not at all. Let's not kid ourselves. We can sing the words. We can actually sometimes even mean it. We can make our mind believe it. But if we're not living it out, it's just worthless words. You know, the prophecy um, in this booklet, Significant Prophetic Words, you can see I've used it a lot because I've bent it back and forth, back and forth. And again, if you're part of the family, I'd really strongly urge you to have a look. 
go back and have a read because there's this significant words that have been spoken over the rock. Um, this one is from January 2012. Greg shared it with the elders. And it says, as we journey forward as a community this year, every heart will start to be exposed for what's in it. Every heart. And I remember it being on the wall in worship one time. I was like, yes, Lord, that's fantastic. Yes, every heart, every heart. (laughs) Just being honest. (laughs) Until it has come to my heart. Because, you know, I thought it was about you guys. (laughs) It's actually about each one of us. The body is made up of individuals, right? Yeah, it's me. It's me. It's the rendering of me and my heart. Oh, my goodness. How prideful I was. I didn't even realize I was being prideful. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, thinking it was for others and not me. Like, oh, where did that thinking come from? But we know that pride comes before a fall. It must be smashed, as we've talked about before. Proverbs 18.12 says, Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. The heart of a man. But humility goes before honour. Whew, beautiful. You know, if we're going to transition from a pride-filled heart to a humble one, our vulnerability before God is absolutely essential. It's the key. Because it's in this place of vulnerability and transparency where we're brought to our knees in repentance. It is in this place of that rawness, of that yuck, like I was explaining before, where it can no longer be hidden. It must be exposed and brought to light through his love where we cry out to him and finally come to that place of starting to realise we cannot do it ourselves. It's in this place of desperation to say, I can't do this anymore. And that is exactly the place he wants us to get to. (laughs) Funny that, isn't it? It's exactly the place because then we give up. We give up and we ask him for help then and only then can we start to release the grip of control and release it to him, just like those helium balloons, release it to him, and that brings us into his freedom. It's through this process that spirit humility is birthed within us. And Matthew 5 verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The spirit of humility is birthed. He honours our humility. Yes, he does. He really, really does. Proverbs 22.4 says, The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honour, and life. His life within us, because of the humility that he births within us, is so beautiful, that exchange. Psalm 25.9 says, He leads the humble in justice. And he teaches teaches the humble his way. It's not our way anymore. Our way has been smashed. Our way is the pride way. That way has to be broken. It's his way. Let's now take a look at Joel 2, 12 to 13. 
Verse 12 says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, and with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Verse 13 says, And rend your heart, not your garments. Rend your heart, not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. I just want to pick up on three words of verse 13. Rend your heart. Reminds me of the rending of the fat. Rend means to pull or tear violently. It's to tear one's garments or hear in grief or rage. This speaks to me about bearing open our heart. And I've just got this image in my mind, and I wanted to get a, um, a massive big wire heart, but I couldn't find one anywhere. You know one of those tangled kind of hearts? Yeah, I've actually had one for a Christmas tree ornament, but except they're not massive, it's just tiny. It would be the size of the tree if it was that big. But, you know, like it's, it's this big heart that's a tangled kind of mess of, of wire, of red wire. And... Um, it's bearing it open, so it's like cutting it with the secateurs and bearing it open before the Lord, laying it all bare. You know, it says, not your garments, is an outward expression. Um, in the Bible, it talks about them tearing their garments when they were mourning or they were um, praying for deliverance, or as a symbol of repentance, they'd tear their garments and put on sackcloth. But Joel is saying here, not your garments is an outward expression, leaving your heart untouched. It's a changed life and heart. It's a total transformation. It's an internal eternal change. And you might think that rip or tear violently sounds a little dramatic, and it is. It's, that's the point. It has to be. It is. It's kind of impossible. That is the point. It is without him. Without him doing the work, we can't rip and tear our heart apart around our internal. No, it's him doing it in us. Now, ladies, have you heard of shapeshifters? <laughs> Men, you probably haven't because you probably don't have the need for these. Shapeshifters are undergarments. <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> Not that I'm going to tell you about anyway, but <laughs> what these little garments do, they suck in... <gasps> They lift up, they tighten, and they flatten to cover and hide underneath the clothes. We may not be able to breathe, but we look really great. <laughs> Except we all know the truth of what's underneath. There's no hiding it, really. It's a temporary fix, 
but there's no eternal change. The reality is you need to get to that gym. You need to do... <laughs> you actually need to go, not just have a membership. <laughs> you need to do those sit-ups. <laughs> Excuse me, I go once a week. <laughs> um, you know, there has, to be, there has to actually be a change to bring about eternal change. You can't just cover it up. The girls and I have been singing this song for a couple of months now, and it's um, another one from Red Red Rocks. You've probably heard it before, Come Taste and See. And it is just such another beautiful song that has ministered so much to um, to our hearts and our family. And a couple of the um, lines from the song says, um, I'll never walk away the same. Basically, having a touch from you, Lord. I will never, uh, never walk away being the same after being in your presence. My heart forever rearranged. Think about that wire heart. Rearranged by your love. He is so tender. He is the master surgeon. And he wants to perform open heart surgery. He doesn't Leave us on the operation table, telling us, do it yourself, sort yourself out. You think you know your way? Well, there we go. Pull out the valve, hook that bit out. There's the scalpel, away you go. He doesn't work like that. He is the master surgeon. And he goes to work on us. And he meticulously goes in, pulls out the place in our heart, that is not good for us and replaces it with his love. He brings about eternal change through the enabling power of his spirit. Thank you, Lord. He is so tender. You know, this picture of the heart with the scalpel, that was my second choice. My first choice was actually a little bit more gory than that. I actually wanted to show it, but it was a little bit too much, I think. It showed a surgeon actually performing open heart surgery. I like that kind of thing because it's like so. Wow! Look at what they what, look at what they can do. But it might have put you guys off a bit, so <laughs> I didn't do it. But it had you know open heart surgery means open heart surgery. It, the, the heart is pulled open by these metal plates and bolts, so that the surgeon can go to go to work to get to the parts of the heart that he needs to actually work on. Yeah. He is very meticulous about how he goes to, goes to work. Philippians 2 verse 13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Thank you, Lord, for his good pleasure. Now, as kids, we had this game. I don't know if you guys have played it before. Operation. Woo! It was a family favourite, Saturday night, fish and chips and a game of operation. You can see it's the original, it's been sellotaped and very much loved. And inside you'll find this fine young specimen with tweezers. I've taken out the little bits inside because I didn't want them to fall on the floor, but basically the object of the game was to, when it was your turn, you had to get your tweezers and you had to 
pick out the bits without touching the side because the sides of um, the holes are made of metal and clearly the tweezers are metal as well. And if you touch the sides, it would go or you know something like that and the little nose would light up Whoopsie, and alert everyone to you've now missed out on your turn, pass it to somebody else. And so you have to be very careful how you, you know, pulled out, pulled out the little thing and then the more um, parts you pulled out, you know, the more you won the game. And it just made me think of how our master surgeon goes to work on our heart. He doesn't hook around with his little tweezers hoping for the best. <laughs> you know, alarm, bells, nurses, Russian. No, he doesn't do that. He knows exactly the bit that he needs to get to. He knows exactly the bit that needs to pull out and replace it with himself. Um, I'd like to highlight another kind of ripping and tearing, and that was when Jesus died on the cross. When he yielded up his spirit, he surrendered all for us. He surrendered all. Um, And in that moment, the physical curtain or the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, ripped apart. What was behind the veil? What was behind the, the curtain? His presence the holy of holies. Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one speaks of this. An eternal change occurred in that moment. When the temple curtain was torn, boom, we can now enter in. We can now enter into the holies of holies, holy of holies. And we now are the modern day temple, aren't we? The spirit dwells within us. Wow, what freedom we have to enter into. The Spirit is to flood and overflow our inner and internal workings, our holy of holies, our spirit. That song, What a Beautiful Name, really articulates this so well. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory, for you were raised to life again. It's life, it's the freedom, it's what he wants to bring us into. The reason for rendering, you may think it sounds negative and hard, and you know what, it it is, but it's to set us free from ourselves. It's to set us free from our flesh, our thinking, our whole way of being. Rendering is a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, The rendering brings us into releasing and the re- releasing brings us into revelation. It's for us. Everything he does in us is for us. Rendering is the releasing of us that brings revelation of him for us. Mm. And you know what? Even when we are hesitant, huh, and I have been hesitant so many times, resisting the rendering, No, I'm okay. Just give me some more shapeshifters. I'll be okay. But you know what? 
his love, his love and kindness and compassion. Remember in Joel, it says, rend your heart, not your garments, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and kindness and relenting of evil. He brings us from one place into another. And we see this in Genesis. Um, I'll give you just a little bit of context to the scripture. It's when um, the Lord sends some angels to Lot and his family to bring them out of Sodom. It was a place of evil. There was just yuck happening there. And he wanted to bring him completely out of that land into another land. Let's read Genesis 19 verse 16. But he, Lot, hesitated. So the men, the angels, seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters. For the compassion of the Lord was upon him. The compassion of the Lord was upon him. That really struck me. And they brought him out and put him outside the city. And and the story goes on. But what struck me the most was the compassion His compassion brings us out of one place and into another. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, verse 5 goes on to say, Even when we were dead in sin, even when we were dead in sin, we didn't know our way, we are made alive in Christ. Man, that is just powerful. Even when... Things didn't make sense in our own mind. He brings us into life and freedom. Now, in those moments of me being hesitant, the roar and the yuck was more, I guess, overwhelming than knowing how it even was to get into the freedom, you know? Um, But when we are hesitant, we resist what God wants to do in us. We miss out on the eternal change that he wants to bring in us. Um, He desires so much for us to be transformed into his image. He desires so much for us to be transformed into his way of thinking, into his life, into his freedom. And in this moment, and me just feeling so worthless and just so like I just couldn't be a, a good wife, mother, employee, just, I might as well just run to the hills now. I had a dream, and in the dream I was um, on a bus with some children that I was looking after, and it wasn't really about the bus or the children, but what happened in the dream was on this bus, this loud, audible voice um, kept saying over and over again, Matthew 25, Matthew 25, Matthew 25, Matthew 25. And I was like, oh, okay, what's this all about? Um, woke up and I thought, I've got to look up what Matthew 25 says. I actually didn't know what that scripture was about. Um, and um, you guys might know, but I, I didn't in that moment. And I looked it up and it's about the ten virgins, the five foolish and the five wise. And I thought, oh, okay, what's, what's this about? How does that relate? Lord, what are you trying to show me here? Um, clearly it's a you know, dream from you. And I just want us to pick up on Matthew 25, 
5 to 6. So it's after the, you know, the wise and the, the foolish have got their lamps trimmed. Um, verse 5 says, Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. Verse 6 says, But at midnight there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And that just alerted me so much. There was a shout, behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Am I ready? Am I living a life of readiness? Or am I just so seeped in my lack that I can't see beyond my face? You know, I was weeping because I was so thankful to the Lord for giving me that dream and drawing me into his living word. It was the kindness of God. It was his love and kindness, which is better than life itself, that showed me what it was like and what it was um, yeah, like to live a life of readiness, to not be in a state of slumber in my own stuff and you know, wanting to be asleep like the foolish virgins, but to be alert and to come into the relationship with him to be made holy and blameless. He's invited us to be his bride, guys. That's not for me, just for me. That's for you. That's for each one of us to take hold of, that we can be called holy. We can be called blameless, worthy to be his bride. An eternal change, eternal hope. And that fills me with so much confidence. And, you know, it's, it's a process, right? This rendering is not just boom, done. You know, yep, I decide to render one day and I'm walking in freedom. Oh, yeah, I'm just so free. You know, this is a process, I'll be honest. But actually having that eyes fixed on him, knowing that he is for me, he is with me as I step out on the limb, man, that is just beautiful. And to finish, I just really want us to focus in, hone on in, the words of that new song, New Wine. I want to read it out line by line. And if you guys can just put it um, on the AV, if if you're able to, that would be wonderful. Um, This is my prayer, that Jesus brings new wine out out of me, to not stay in the state of being a grape, but actually be brought into the new wine, to be fully rendered to his purposes, his ways, and not my own. Because it is where the new wine is, there is new power. And his spirit brings that and starts to birth the new within us. So let's just read that. Just read it silently as I read it out. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender. It's a choice. You are breaking new ground. So I yield to you. I give it up to you, Lord. And to your careful hand, that's the surgeon going to work, his hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Take your head off. Take your thoughts away. It doesn't make logical sense sometimes. 
trust him. So make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. God, I came here with nothing in my state of lack, but all you have given me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Because where there is new wine, there is new power. Thank you, Lord, for the new power. There is new freedom, a releasing, a refreshing, and the kingdom is here. I lay down my old flames, my old desires, my old way of, old way of thinking to carry your new fire today. And Jay, I just wondered if you could come and play that once more. And I just really sense that this is the moment where he wants us to render it all before him. I don't feel it to be an altar call as such, but an individual invitation to the Father to just go, Lord, here I am. Here I am in my raw state. And I want to literally let go. I don't just want to say the words anymore. I want you to help me in this process. So I'm just going to get Jay to to sing and to play and in your own time, in your own space. Just allow the words of the song to minister to you and allow his spirit to just fall upon you as you just submit to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Spirit of God, fall. Resist the rendering process that he wants to do. Don't allow your feelings to dictate your thoughts and actions and words any longer. Allow him to do the work. Thank you, Jesus.